The passage that, that Tara read for us just now uh, is one that was suggested by the Common Lectionary. And the Common Lectionary is a, a list of scripture readings which are suggested to churches each week. And, and we follow a lectionary that comes, the Common Lectionary is uh, used by churches in North America, both Protestant and Catholic. And so today's scripture lesson was recommended to us, and I think it was recommended to us today, uh, because today is Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday on the church's calendar when, as we consider the year that has passed and prepare ourselves for the year ahead, we are meant to stop and remember that in all things, in every season of life, Christ is King. Now, I know that when I say Christ is King, I am employing some seriously old-fashioned and perhaps antiquated and traditional language. So if you will allow me to translate it just a little bit, I think we also could call today God is in charge Sunday or let go and let God Sunday. Christ the King Sunday. Today's lesson from Paul's letter to the Colossians has two parts to it. The first part gives thanks for the, the folks in the church at Colossae, which is a, a church in Greece. And the second part of the passage speaks of the fullness of God dwelling among us in Christ, who though he was human, also was eternal and divine, the firstborn of all creation. And again, uh, this is very traditional language, right? And if I were to translate this passage into more contemporary words, I might say something like, God abides. All that is holy, all that is creative and eternal, beautiful and true, all of this lived among us in Jesus and continues to infuse the world around us. And I think that's why the passage is suggested for us on this Sunday, this Christ the King Sunday. And I appreciate it. I mean, it's good to know that Christ the King is sitting on a glorious throne somewhere off in heaven. But it's even better to know that holiness and beauty and creative energy permeates the world around us. It is perhaps a more accessible way to think about what it means for Christ to be king, for God to be in charge, not just over us, but also entirely with us. So that's probably why this passage was recommended to us. It's, it's, or it's recommended for how it speaks of God being with us, ruling as a companion rather than as a distant monarch. And I'm a big enough fan of democracy to like that image. So when I have read the first chapter of Colossians in the past, I've generally skipped over all of the personal greetings that are in the first part of this chapter and gone straight to the words, to what these words have to say about God's fullness dwelling in Christ and with us. But for today's sermon, I don't want to skip over the first part of the passage. I don't want to skip over the part in which the author says more or less, thank God for you, you members of the church in Colossae, you are amazing. I pray that you will continue to grow in knowledge and strength and in deep connection to God who saves us and brings us into the kingdom of God. I think that's an important part of this passage too because I think it's important for us to remember why we pray 
for people, why we pray for one another, why we pray for ourselves. Sometimes, if we're not careful, the whole idea of praying for one another can get co-opted by those who use prayer as kind of a dismissive excuse to do nothing, right? I mean, we see this most commonly right now around our, our culture's inability to get over its fetish with gun violence, right? Our, our fetish with firearms. When somebody does something awful with a gun, our political leaders, instead of trying to address the issue, say, well, we'll send you our thoughts and our prayers. So prayer can be a way of uh, an excuse to do nothing, and prayer also can be a way of expressing defeat. I mean, a lot of people don't actually start praying until there's no more hope left. After all the medical or legal options has been, have been tried and haven't worked, or when every financial resource has been drained, then we start praying. And such last-minute prayer, last-resort prayer, is not a bad thing. But I think we also can pray as a way of summoning the strength, the wisdom, the beauty, the divinity, the holiness that is in us and all around us. Prayer can be used as a way of encouragement, and I think that's what's going on in this morning's lesson from Colossians. Now, we don't actually know for sure who wrote this part of the Bible, who wrote this book. Uh, tradition says it was Paul, but a lot of scholars doubt the traditions, and I personally really don't have a way to judge between tradition and scholarship. But whoever wrote this book, whoever the author of Colossians was, I don't think he or she was writing to people who had entirely given up, but I also doubt that they were feeling overconfident in their ability to survive as a congregation or as individuals. If the book was written by Paul, it likely was written at a time when the Roman Emperor Nero had, had, had perpetrated the earliest persecution against Christians, and if it was written after Paul's life, it might have been written during subsequent persecutions during the turn of the second century. At any rate, Colossians almost certainly was written to discouraged and dispirited people. And Paul, or whoever, says, listen, I give thanks for you. I keep hearing all these good things about you. I believe you are only going to get stronger. You're only going to get better. You're only going to be more beautiful because all that is holy and divine and sacred, all that is true and strong, the fullness of God is with us and with you. And you are going to be okay. You are going to be more than okay. You got this. And I think this is how we all should be praying for one another. Not just as something we do when we don't have any other options, and certainly not as an excuse for doing nothing, but we should be praying as a way of encouraging ourselves and encouraging one another, reminding ourselves and each other of the strength that is within us and of the holiness that surrounds us. This kind of prayer is not empty piety and it's not magic. It is strong. This kind of prayer is sacred. This kind of prayer is beautiful. And this kind of prayer is also needed. You know, there is a whole litany of reasons why a lot of us are feeling discouraged right now. Right? The congressional hearings we heard over the last couple of weeks remind us that things really are as bad as we thought they might be in Washington. <laughs> they might be worse. 
Everything we feared would happen two years ago. Yes. Right? But it's not just in Washington. I, heard a, I, I, I read a really discouraging... Uh, I read an article about a really discouraging study this week. And I don't know if it's new or if I just hadn't read it before. But what I found out is that in Los Angeles and in Oakland, two cities that they studied for this, uh, this uh, study, in these two cities... There are more empty houses than there are homeless people, right? That's discouraging to me. And of course, the Earth's climate is changing rapidly. Americans are killing each other. The roots of white supremacy are sinking deeper into the soil of our society. It, it could drive a person to distraction. I am someone who suffers from occasional bouts of insomnia. In fact, I wrote this sermon after a night of little sleep, and if, like me, you have sleepless nights, then you know how dismal it can seem at two in the morning, and sleep is nowhere to be found. It's awful. When the night is long and my sleep is short, I can toss and turn, because I'm fretting over some trivial matter for what seems like an eternity. But I always have this hope. Nothing is going to stop the rising sun. And I know that at least some of my sense of optimism and well-being will return at the dawn. And nothing is going to stop that. I've also had spiritual seasons in my life that have felt a little bit like insomnia. And maybe you felt this way too. There are times when I look around me and I, and I feel as if every trace of God has been erased from creation. And things seem a little less beautiful, a little less consequential, less hopeful, with little possibility for renewal and recreation. I feel that way from time to time, and maybe you do too. And in those times, I need to be reminded that God is with us. God is with us as surely as the sun will rise after a night of insomnia. I need to be reminded that in Christ, all the fullness of the sacred, the beautiful, the divine, the hopeful, the regenerative, all of this holiness dwells with us fully so we can have hope so we can walk into the future with renewed confidence I don't know if you've ever experienced such actual or spiritual insomnia I don't know if like me you read the morning paper or hear about the science of climate change or you track the pathological dysfunction of our politics or you pay attention to the economic outlooks in the Bay Area or our state or our nation or our world. I don't know if like me you sometimes fall into despair or maybe the despair is more personal. Maybe you struggle with regret. Maybe you struggle with a sense of failure or loss or loneliness or addiction. Life gives us countless reasons to feel discouraged and if you are discouraged if you are feeling hopeless then then let us pray let us pray for ourselves let us pray for one another let us pray as a way of reminding ourselves that we are strong let us pray as a way of remembering that we are beautiful, we are wise, we are resourceful. Let us pray that we come into a greater knowledge of the divine beauty and of the spirit of holiness and sacred strength 
that infuses everything that is. Thanks to the indwelling of the Holy One, we are able to get up from the pallet of our hopelessness and put one foot in front of the other and walk forward from a place of despair into a world of beauty. We can walk through the world noticing and celebrating the holiness of the Spirit who dances all around us. Thanks be to God, because we are strong. Therefore, let us pray for one another, because by God, we got this. I want to close by reading words from a sermon by St. Augustine, words that in some traditions are read on the Saturday before the first Sunday of Advent, which is to say this coming Saturday, uh, the equivalent of New Year's Eve on the church calendar, except we don't stay up as late. These are good words to remember and good words to close the year and good words to prepare ourselves to embrace for the new year with spiritual hope. St. Augustine said, let us sing alleluia, not in the enjoyment of heavenly rest, but, it, but to sweeten our toil. Sing as travelers sing along the road, but keep walking. Solace your toil by singing. Do not yield to idleness. Sing, but keep on walking. What do I mean by walking? I mean press on from good to better. The apostle says there are, that there are some who will go from bad to worse, but if you press on, you keep on walking. Go forward then in virtue, in true faith, and in right conduct. Sing, but keep on walking. In other words, dearly beloved, even when the night is long and sleep is elusive, even when the days are lonely and we have few companions, even when the way is rough and we don't have a map, even when the music is difficult and we don't have an instrument, still God abides. In other words, dearly beloved, we could no more hold back the high tide than beauty from filling the earth. It would be easier to capture the wind in a net than to keep the spirit of holiness from dancing among us. And all that, that sacred wonder, all of that spiritual wisdom and strength it's not just around us, it's within us. In other words, dearly beloved, we got this. Amen.